My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Renee Watchman, Michael Trussello, and Leah Hamilton. This year's continent-wide anti-racist uprising has seen heightened attention to racism and resistance to it in a wide range of contexts. More people than ever before who do not themselves experience racism have been forced to confront the reality that every system, every institution, every community on this continent is shaped by racism that is deeply rooted and systemic. Universities are no exception to this. Renee Watchman was hired in 2010 at Mount Royal University, a small undergraduate institution in Calgary, where she's an associate professor in English and Indigenous Studies. Coming from a large, research-focused university in the United States, it was quite a change for her, but there was lots about it that she experienced as welcoming and positive. As an Indigenous woman, however, it soon became clear to her that Mount Royal also has what she describes as, quote, an unspoken climate of anti-Indigenous racism, end quote. Along with the inevitable racist microaggressions, there would occasionally be some sort of acute racist incident, like racist vandalism on university property or an openly racist event hosted on campus. Meanwhile, the systemic ways that racism shows up on many campuses were also very much present at Mount Royal. For instance, a significant underrepresentation of Black, Indigenous, and people of color, or BIPOC, faculty and staff, maintained by the aforementioned climate of racism and by a whole host of policies, procedures, and practices that remain stubbornly resistant to change. As is true at many universities, there was a sort of informal network of BIPOC faculty and white allies who would do what they could to push back against all of this. Along with responding to incidents as they arose, many of them also do scholarly work that is anti-racist in some way, and many had put in a lot of hours beyond the already long hours required by their jobs to put together anti-racist programming or educational activities for the campus. In late 2019, they started to have conversations about changing how they approached this work. They decided they wanted to find ways to do it that were proactive rather than reactive, and that were a bit more strategic and deliberate. So they formed the Mount Royal Anti-Racism Coalition. Along with Watchmen, Trussello and Hamilton were among the Mount Royal faculty who formed the coalition. Trussello is an associate professor in English and general education, and Hamilton is a professor in the business school. The coalition went public in May of 2020, so just after the pandemic had completely upended how universities work. So some of their vision of teach-ins and activist events and so on had to be put on hold. But still, they've been busy. They've held online events, they've spoken up in support of the student groups that have been mobilizing around anti-racist demands as part of the broader uprising. Members of the coalition participated in the Scholar Strike Canada event, in which academics across the country who are sympathetic to the uprising paused their teaching and administrative duties on September 9th and 10th and focused on online public education work related to police brutality and racism. Another key focus for the coalition has been the work of pushing for change within university governance systems. It's opaque and often incomprehensible work to those of us outside the academy, and mostly it's not something they can talk about freely, but it can be an important way to push the institution in anti-racist directions. 
And all of this is happening in a larger context. The Coalition recognizes that racism cannot be solved within a single institution, and they're keen to be involved in broader action as well. But that larger context also shapes the possibilities and barriers for acting close to home. One part of that context for the Coalition is the hard-right provincial government in Alberta, which not only has no shortage of ties to far-right and openly racist figures, but has unleashed a wave of austerity on universities that, unless it can be stopped, will transform the sector in very negative ways, including by placing major barriers in the way of anti-racist organizational change initiatives. I speak with Watchmen Trussello and Hamilton about the work of the Mount Royal Anti-Racism Coalition. My name is Renee Watchman, and I am an associate professor at Mount Royal University. I have been there since 2010. I teach in the departments of English, Languages and Cultures and Indigenous Studies, where I teach courses primarily in Indigenous literatures and Indigenous film. I'm originally from Shiprock, New Mexico, but I have lived and worked in treaties seven and six for the past 10 years. How I got involved, well, I'm indigenous. So I mean, I think <laughs> to be indigenous is to be inherently political. I was born in 1974. My young teen parents marched for liberation movements for indigenous people, American Indians, and it sort of stayed with me. And so a lot of my teaching involves anti-indigenous racism advocacy work. I'm Leah Hamilton. I'm a professor in the Bissett School of Business at Mount Royal University in Calgary. I research the settlement and integration of newcomers and refugees in Canada. I was raised by a single mother who's an amputee. And when I was growing up, she did a lot of advocacy on behalf of the disabled community. So when I became an undergraduate student at the University of Guelph, I started researching prejudice and discrimination. And when I was an honors student and a master's student, over time, my interest in racism and discrimination evolved and I've become a community engaged migration scholar. And I work with a lot of racialized newcomer and refugee groups. I'm Michael Trussello. I'm an associate professor cross-appointed in English and general education. I work in the general area of cultural studies, especially around infrastructure. I work with anarchist politics, and that involves a great deal of direct action and working with community members on various kinds of anti-oppression projects. So part of my entry into anti-racist politics is deeply interconnected with a number of other political trajectories you know, anti-capitalism, anti-fascist work, and so forth. What is Mount Royal University like as an institution and as a campus community? I was hired in 2010, and Mount Royal had just garnished accreditation as a university in 2009, so it was a very new space. And I came from a Research One institution in the States, the University of Arizona. For me, it was a welcoming climate overall. What became very clear to me, however, within months of my hiring was that there was an unspoken climate of anti-Indigenous racism. I wasn't privy to that coming from the States. And my Indigenous colleagues across Canada questioned why I went to Mount Royal University. What they were really asking was, do I feel safe? They're just concerned about my well-being. And I've struggled with that for the past 10 years. In terms of what kind of institution it is, I like that we are a undergraduate-focused institution. I like the sizes of my classes. I think my teaching load is too high. But I also am permitted to grow in ways that I couldn't have seen myself grow at the Research One institution. 
What I mean by that is I have developed several courses. My baby is our land-based courses where I work with indigenous elders and land protectors around the world. And my most recent venture is to the big island where I taught a course called Aloha Aina and Activism. And we worked with a lot of land and mountain protectors. And so in some ways, there's been a lot of opportunities for work that I've been able to develop throughout my time there. The university in general is obviously a very conservative institution. The roots are entirely based in colonialism, especially in this neoliberal era of the university. It pays particular attention to private revenue generation. You've seen 40 years of university support diminish across Canada. In Alberta, in the early 80s, maybe 80 to 85 percent of the university's expenses were covered by the province. Today, that's closer to 55 percent. So that's the type of university that I was entering. And as my personal politics evolved, I made a deliberate choice to privilege certain political objectives over, let's say, careerist ones. All academics have this choice to make, I think. They can build professional networks, let's say, that will advance their career. Often those types of networks run counter to developing contacts within the community or developing more radical political projects. I've seen it as part of my purpose as a white settler in the university to do things like invite racialized activists or racialized academics to speak on campus, to develop academic projects that aren't necessarily the kind that advance a career. So that's the university context as I see it, and I think it makes anti-racist organizing essential. How does racism shape the institution of the university and the experiences of people, particularly Black, Indigenous, and racialized people, within the university? Racism has taken shape in several ways. I mean, the overt, blatant acts of vandalism of public spaces that are meant to be safe spaces for Indigenous peoples or Black and other students of color. And we've attempted to support students when such incidents occur. Often, our advocacy has fallen on deaf ears. And so that's both overt and systemic. For myself personally, and I'll only speak for myself, there just is a level of silent complicity at the institution that has sent me on a leave of absence at one time in my career. There is a definite hesitancy on the part of university leadership to explicitly denounce racism on campus. In general, our faculty is not representative of the student demographics. There aren't many positions of leadership held by Black, Indigenous, or people of color. And the students are starting to be vocal about the lack of representation in their classrooms. And those of us who have been there for a long time have been pulled in multiple directions that there comes a time when, I guess, burnout is a reality. So recruitment and hiring needs to be a priority. And I already know the answer to that, which is we have no money, which is a provincial problem. In the specific case of Mount Royal, there's a declared vision for the university that invokes both decolonizing the university and indigenizing the university. This can manifest in different levels of the university. In some cases, it means advocating for certain policy changes. In some cases, as Renee said, it means hiring more racialized faculty. 
but also making policies such that those faculty members feel welcomed at Mount Royal and that we can retain them as well. You've asked the question in terms of our institution, but of course, this is more of a system-wide concern. The place where we work is where we've decided to organize, but we are talking about social, institutional, and economic structures that enable white supremacy. And it's not like one small group will be able to dismantle them alone, but this is the kind of project that anti-racist organizers need to take on. It has to be something that is considering the structures that enable white supremacist violence. So that's kind of the vision that we're trying to develop within the coalition. We might work at a particular institution, but we acknowledge that it exists within various communities and economic structures and so forth. So we can't be focusing on individuals or individual institutions, really. It has to think about things structurally. And there are some things happening at Mount Royal that show some progress, but it's also taken a number of years to get to that point. We're also working on many different levels within the institution and outside of the institution to try to make changes. So it's not going to be just one kind of action or one specific target. It's more about enabling structural changes so that the institution is a more welcoming space for racialized faculty. And as Renee said, we're in a province in which it's probably the harshest form of austerity agenda across Canada. This is a very far right-wing government. Just recently, they cut over $200 million from the University of Alberta. Mount Royal is going to carry a $26 million deficit over the next three years, which will mean significant job losses. It's really paralyzing the entire system across the province. That's the context in which we're working. It's not one that is economically expansive or ideologically open. As Renee mentioned, we are advocating for the university to recruit and hire Black, Indigenous, and people of color into faculty and staff positions, and then to make sure that the faculty and staff who are hired into those positions are mentored and that their scholarship and voices are amplified within and beyond the institution. It's also important to increase resources and supports, whether those are wellness supports, safe spaces, even things like, you know, making sure meetings aren't scheduled at times that we know will disadvantage parents, particularly single parents who are more likely to be women. Initiatives such as decolonizing the tenure and promotion criteria. Renee will be involved in this as she chairs the faculty evaluation committee moving forward. And then I think a lot of members of this coalition are also really deeply committed to anti-racism and decolonization in their teaching practices. So, for instance, being actively involved in the scholar strike that took place in September and building anti-racism into their courses. Tell me about the founding of the coalition. We started conversations in October of 2019 with just a core group that has evolved since then. We didn't come out, if you will, until May, but I know back in February of this year of 2020, before the lockdowns began, we were actively meeting, trying to discuss what it is we wanted to do with this work, because many of us who are part of the coalition have exhaustively built programming or professional development, you know, off the sides of our desk or, you know, trying to collaborate for funding initiatives to bring in speakers or to bring in training. And we just seemed 
to need something more and something new. Our goal was always to be proactive rather than reactive because some of our work in the past, whether it was formal committee members meeting to organize an event or a speaker or what have you, they were usually in reaction to something that was already happening on campus that was not safe for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. The thing to emphasize was moving from being reactive, you know, creating counter-programming to contentious or openly racist events on campus to a more proactive approach and, as I say, a much broader conception of what needs to be done. There are many things we could not have predicted. We could not have predicted the student groups that have emerged as well. They've been very impressive. They've made their demands quite explicit and they've backed them up with direct action. And we certainly hope that they continue with those actions. What have the key activities of the coalition been, particularly since that turn that you mentioned towards being more proactive? I think some of the work will be difficult for people outside the institution to appreciate, and some of it is work that we can't even talk about. It could be at the level of policymaking. It could be forms of governance within the university. It can be in collective bargaining. There are so many spaces where universities manifest as an institution that might seem like people not doing anything, but it's actually lots of things happening simultaneously. The other thing we did, Scott, is we did an interview for the student newspaper. And in part, that was to help support our students who experience racism and to let those students know that this coalition exists and is here to support them. That's a hard question to give you some concrete examples, only because we formally decided to have an open public but anonymous presence after, you know, COVID struck. What we envisioned if we were on campus is more of the same proactive work. Like one thing I can just give an example of many of the people who are involved in the coalition were involved in an event that we held in January of 2018, I believe it was. And we called that hashtag decolonize MRU. It was held on a certain day that is very triggering for residential school survivors. So we wanted to honor the survivors and their story. And the day, quote unquote, celebrates John A. McDonald's birthday, which we thought really takes away the pain and the reality of governmental policy that was indeed genocidal in many respects. So we had a day of teach-ins, of learning, of active engagement. That's one example of something that could possibly have been a model for other things to come. But because of the lockdown, most of our presence has been online and just through social media. And as Leah had mentioned, we all partook in various ways with hashtag Strike Canada. Many of us are trying to engage in research that is anti-racist. For instance, I have a manuscript due next week on why xenophobia and anti-immigrant sentiment has spiked during COVID-19. Many of us are involved in scholarship in this area. There have been many individual events in the past, teach-ins and that kind of activity. And I think going forward, we'd like to build some resources for our colleagues to be able to access whenever they need them. Part of the challenge of, you know, indigenizing the curriculum is that many of us are experts in particular fields, but not necessarily in specific histories or specific philosophies and so forth. So it really means additional work that's often without the institution's assistance. 
though. Hopefully the coalition collectively can build some resources that would be very useful to our colleagues. In terms of that boring, difficult, opaque institutional work, the committee work, the governance work, the policy work, and so on, what are the barriers to making progress in anti-racist directions? For me, it's taken me a decade practically to understand where changes are made, and that is not by being an advocate. Being an activist, people can choose to tune you out, but infiltrating, if you will, positions of power and being in a position to make those changes. I just recently completed a three-year co-directorship of the Office of Academic Indigenization, and while that sounded promising, we actually didn't have much power. So it was very frustrating. Leah had mentioned earlier that I've just been elected to serve as chair for the Faculty Evaluation Committee. And while I don't have much power as a chair for that committee, I know who to bring to the table should we want to make changes. And there are many changes that we need to make so that the systemic oppressions that have existed historically, for example, just again using myself and my colleagues, for Indigenous faculty, I've been through those hoops. I know what needs to be changed. Now I'm at a level where I could hopefully bring the proper people to the table to make those changes. University administrators don't like anything that interrupts the smooth functioning of the university. It doesn't matter if it comes from the far left or the far right or wherever it happens to originate. What they don't want most of all is that kind of bump in the road. Like, you know, why would you not, as a university president, be passionately anti-racist? But I think however these administrators feel about the individual issues, I think what concerns them most is that interruption of the smooth functioning. If a situation escalates, then, you know, you could have a a dreaded lawsuit from a faculty member, for example. So I think that's always on their minds in, in the way that they try to minimize changes, minimize interruptions to the status quo. Or if they do make what appear to be changes, they're usually largely symbolic sort of changes. Speaking of barriers, Renee and I have both talked about the need to hire more Black and Indigenous people of colour into faculty and staff positions. But a major barrier to that is budget and the cutbacks that we're experiencing due to the UCP, which have been exacerbated by COVID-19. That makes it difficult to, for instance, engage in cluster hires where we bring in multiple individuals or even to advocate for fair working conditions for racialized staff members. So, for instance, individuals who've been contracted for cleaning and food services. So a large barrier to some of that advocacy work is budget and cuts that we're facing due to the current provincial government. The current provincial government is probably more far right than maybe anything in Alberta's history. In terms of racism, you have a premier in Jason Kenney who tweeted to Toronto-based neo-Nazi Faith Goldie that she was always welcome in Alberta. You have a genocide-denying speechwriter for the first year of Kenney's administration who was allowed to quote-unquote, retire without any condemnation from the premier or his caucus. You have some staffers within the UCP who come from the far-right extremist scene, and openly so. They've been well-documented. You have a close relationship between the UCP and far-right media. The social studies curriculum review is being conducted by a genocide denier. 
all the way through that party, you have a kind of explicit, public, hardline racism that people probably used to think of as the lunatic fringe, but is now the very core of that party and other conservative parties. So I guess part of what I'm hoping people understand about this landscape and the university within it is that the political landscape has shifted to the far right. So anti-racist education is a fundamental, maybe the most important sort of political gesture that people can make at this moment. It isn't a secret that at MRU, there are only two tenured Indigenous faculty, and much more than that, who are at MRU, either as contract faculty or as on the tenurable line. And, you know, to speak out publicly and openly is not very safe. So all of us in this coalition are doing anything we can to take steps. Like we're listening to students. We hear what they want to happen and we're doing our best to try to implement changes that will ultimately go to the top and dismantle the structures that they don't feel safe in. But it takes time. You know, I'm trying to use my tenure for good and it's only a matter of time before, you know, this just becomes too much. I'm guessing if I don't have the supports and that's what's good about a coalition is that there's a lot of work that is happening that I trust the people of the coalition to do with good hearts and good minds with the personal safety of Black, Indigenous and people of color, faculty and students as central. So if the coalition manages to be effective, how will Mount Royal University be different in a few years' time? I think there would be a much stronger sense of belonging for many people on campus, students, faculty, and staff. We would probably like to see the Faculty Association expand its concerns. It's pretty typical in terms of faculty associations in the way that negotiating wages is a primary concern. I would very much like the Faculty Association to see the relevance of engaging, I guess what people would call social justice, but it's really just acknowledging that there are concerns for faculty and students and staff outside of a wage. In terms of the governance of the university, this is a very long process. It took several decades for universities to become these sort of corporate structures, and undoing that will take probably many years as well. On the educational side, there are really just so many individual projects that are inspiring as educators. You know, Renee mentioned the land-based education that she's been engaged with. These are really, I think, revolutionary educational projects. And I think it's a real chance for the university to be not just doing education differently, but doing it better and at the same time improving the world around us. I would hope that we would build more capacity because there's sort of like this revolving door of burnout, and I don't want that to happen to any of us. You have been listening to my interview with Renee Watchman, Michael Trussello, and Leah Hamilton. They're all faculty at Mount Royal University in Calgary and are members of the Mount Royal Anti-Racism Coalition. To learn more about the coalition, search for it on Twitter. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to TalkingRadical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.